Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 840, air date November 19th, 2020. I'm on relatively short notice, uh, but in light of the press conference that was held today and the fact that, contrary to what the mainstream media is saying, uh, I think there's a very good likelihood that the uh, efforts to overturn the election in certain critical states are not only going to move forward, they're going to be found to have uh, a lot of cogency and validity. Um, but I was especially interested, as you're watching everything that's going on, uh, in getting your take, uh, not just on what's going on, uh, but how best to understand it uh, and try to make sense uh, of the factual uh, evidence and, and, and reports that we are getting about what happened, what transpired uh, during the election. So that's the first question that, that I want to put to you. And feel free, as you know, you can relax, take your time uh, on this show. We're not uh, about sound bites. We're really about trying to think things through. So, so, so if you could help us with that, it would be great. Sure, Alan. By the way, I'm, I'm co-streaming here because we have a bunch of followers who are also very interested in this on, on my Facebook. I think you guys are on Facebook um, on IMTV, right? Uh, we have IMTV, we're on Facebook and great. YouTube. Yeah. Okay, great. So so, um, so I think one of the important things to understand, Alan, is when you look at this thing called the voting system, uh, it is no different than any other type of system. And so I just want to take people a, a big step back. This is not a statistical uh, way to look at the world. It's not a mathematical way to look at, a wor- at the world. It's actually a systems way to look at the world. So if you look at people who design large scale systems, so let's say you're talking about people who design uh, a manufacturing system or uh, a system to, let's say, make widgets, right? At at Procter & Gamble or someone who's designing how to make an airplane or a car. In the world of manufacturing, you know, when you go to, when you study engineering, uh, one of the things that you learn is how do you do a process so you get what's called reduction of error. That's what engineering is all about, right? Particularly in, in consumer mm-hmm. pro- products. So um, this is something people need to understand that, you know, if you go work for any of the big manufacturing companies, you're making a car or you're making, you know, a tube of toothpaste, there is a very, very definitive process that, you know, industrial engineers and people have developed over many, many years. This is why institutions like MIT were created. So you can scalably create products for people that um, were, you know, as error free as you can get what people call Six Sigma, you know, in one of the parlance. So um, and this is something engineers do. Now, if you look at the the world of lawyers, politicians, talking heads, these people, the fact that we have a voting system which has unverifiable inputs and unfair verifiable outputs is a disgrace because it says what happens when you don't take an engineering systems approach to a problem. So my personal entree to this, I think people need to understand this was, look, I never voted in my life because I never cared for either parties. When Donald Trump ran was the first time I decided to vote because I saw in him someone who at least had a a good level of uh, disruption. So I voted, you know, as you know, two years ago, I ran for office against Elizabeth Warren. The GOP establishment here was very upset. Uh, that a qualified candidate like me ran. I had to run as an independent. We got 100,000 votes, five times more than any independent candidate. This time in 2020, I ran as a Republican, decided to you know, uh, be a part of the 
Republican Party and run all the way. Well, Alan, this is where I firsthand experienced this level of fraud, egregious fraud. And mm. I, I want to argue that Massachusetts is actually the sewer of innovation that feeds this election fraud swamp. And I can tell you this firsthand. So here in Massachusetts, we had 3,000 volunteers. We had over 10,000 lawn signs, 20,000 bumper stickers, working people, no political hacks, not one person was paid. We got close to $2 million. We had TV, radio, completely. If you came to Massachusetts, most people know who Dr. Shiva is. That brand was everywhere. And we knew we were gonna win the US Senate primary election on a landslide. Uh, all the math, everything we did, all the physics was there. The GOP rhino establishment, who by the way hates uh, President Trump, ran a guy, a lawyer who no one knew of, had really no lawn signs, no bumper stickers, no organization, nowhere to be found. And we find on election night, this is what's fascinating and everyone should take point of this, the Secretary of State in Massachusetts is a guy called Bill Galvin. Secretary of State Galvin, he's been there for 30, 40 years. And the night before the election, Galvin says, well, there's gonna be record turnout. There's gonna be doubling of the number of uh, people who are gonna vote in the, in the Democratic primary from 600,000 in 2018 to 1.2 million. But then he says, the number of people are gonna vote in the Republican primary, get this, Alan, is gonna go down from, uh, from 260,000 in 2018 to only 150,000. And our estimates were it should at least be, you know, 25, 30% more with mail-in ballots, at least close to 360,000. Well, what happens on election night? We knew something was up. On election night, I win in Franklin County, all white working class county typically by 10%. And in every other county, I lose 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40. It was quite remarkable. And that's when I started understanding as a guy who's been doing you know, programming and computer science since I was a teenager, that the voting systems uh, have a feature where they do not store our votes as whole numbers. They store them as decimal variables. So it's not, you got a thousand votes and I got a thousand votes, you got maybe 1,000.221 votes, okay? And more importantly, there's a feature in these voting systems. These are the automated, you know, the, the electronic voting systems that can allow vote multiplication. So for example, if you got a thousand votes and I got a thousand votes, Alan, they can multiply your votes by 2.5 and my votes by half. So you end up getting 2,500 votes. I end up getting 500 votes. The total vote count is what? 3,000 votes. And the actual people came in to vote were only 2,000, more votes than voters. So what did we do? And this is in uh, September 9th, I issued FOIAs to various local towns. And I asked for the list of the actual number of people voted in a, in a town and the actual number of votes cast. And guess what? In the, in the few towns that they actually returned us back the data, more votes than voters. For example, in Boston, 4,114 more votes than actual voters. In the town of Newton, 1,780 more votes than voters. After this, we started realizing that when you take your paper ballot and you scan it in those machines, um, it creates what's called a ballot image, Alan, a ballot image, an image of that ballot, or you can call it a ballot scan. Well, guess what's actually tabulated? It's not the official paper, right? It's a ballot scan and that's counted by a machine. So in the chain of custody, the ballot comes in, what is generated is a ballot image, which is then counted. That, that is where the tabulation takes place. So 
we went to the Secretary of State because we knew we were completely defrauded and we demanded the ballot images. And this is a heart of this entire issue. The elephant in the room is the ballot images and the weighted race feature. So the ballot images we asked for, I literally went there with two of my volunteers on September uh, 9th with a camera and the election official comes out very arrogantly says, hey man, what do you think? We rigged the election? And then he proceeds to tell us, we don't have those ballot images. We turned that feature off. The factory settings, when the vendors ship this out, is all ballot images must be saved. According to USC 20701 federal law, which was passed, which said the states in a federal election must save all records, all records generated in, in the connection with an election. So uh, then the guy catches himself and 10 days later, we get the official response from the general counsel of the secretary of state saying, Massachusetts is prohibited. Everyone should listen to this from saving ballot images. Now that was on September 25th. Remember September 1st was a primary. Since September 1st to the September 25th, Alan, I was tweeting out a tweet storm. In fact, my first tweet was election fraud took place in you know third world Massachusetts. I'm glad we have the second amendment. Twitter didn't delete that tweet. Okay, you would think I was proposing some type of armed insurrection, right? And since that time, I kept tweeting, talking about election fraud and the fact that millions of ballots, hyphen ballot images were deleted and this was violation of federal law. However, on September 26, remember I'm having these email interactions with the secretary of state where I say, where are the ballot images? He says, we don't save them. I say, what's the federal, what's your state statute? Nothing. The third email says, um, or third email in that interaction says, we uh, save the paper that goes in the machines, but we don't, but the ballot images are not stored. And I wrap back, write back a blistering email saying you violated federal law. This election is null and void because you can't validate it. Those four emails, Alan, I put up on Twitter, the screenshots, public official, bam, within less than 12 hours, my Twitter account is banned, not for one day, but for 12 days. And, and remember, I continued my election into a write-in campaign with, with 35 days left, I get banned for 21 days. Well, no lawyer really wanted to take this on. So I filed, Alan, a restraining order against the Secretary of State saying that you cannot further contact Twitter to suppress me. Because what we found out was one of these news stories, it turned out that the spokesman for the Secretary of State admitted they had contacted Twitter. Now just listen to this. The state, the government contacted Twitter to ban, to suppress speech of a US Senate federal candidate because I was exposing their violation of federal law. So I filed a TRO and a lawsuit for about a billion dollars, you know, because how much value do you put on the First Amendment? I knew I couldn't go after Twitter or it'd be harder with the Section 230. And I knew the election integrity stuff takes for a long time. So my approach was the First Amendment was violated with state action. So this is what gets interesting, Alan. So I filed a lawsuit with a temporary restraining order. And we didn't even, you know, most judges don't want to hear this. They don't even want, most judges will not give you a restraining order unless they know that you have a legitimate claim and you can win the lawsuit. Well, fortunately, um, Judge Mark Wolf, constitutional uh, um, uh, judge, takes on the case 
And I had to represent myself in federal court, Alan. Think about this, pro se, because no lawyer I could find in Massachusetts, because there, there's a big swamp here. So it was supposed to be what I thought was a one hour hearing. And I present, it was four hours. And in that hearing, the testimony we found it was outrageous. We find out that it's confirmed that the Secretary of State told their PR person to get on Twitter and tell them that I was spreading election misinformation and to ban me. Second, we find out that the Secretary of State also contacted an organization called the National Association of State Election Directors. Everyone should write this down, N-A-S-E-D. And all the lawyers I've talked to who are you know, around uh, President Trump, they don't even know about this organization. And NASED was contacted by the Secretary of State to also further complain to Twitter. Now, what also came out, the judge said, well, what, did you what do you think would happen when you, told, when you complained about Dr. Shiva to, to, to Twitter? And the woman said, well, I mean, I'm paraphrasing this, well, we have a Twitter partnership because the attorney on the other side throughout this had said, oh, anyone could have complained about Shiva. He's just hyping this up. Turns out the secretaries of state have a special Twitter partnership with Twitter. And not only that, the National Association of State Election Directors, the nonprofit where all state election directors work with. And why is this important? The state election directors are the ones who certify the machines, Alan. They're the ones who certify you know, whether XYZ vendors should come in, what should be the processes? They certify that process. And here you have a US Senate federal candidate catching them red-handed saying that they delete ballot images at the state level, violating federal law. Remember, I've never been, to the best of my knowledge, banned on Twitter in, in 10 years, I've been on it. But the instant I expose the violation of federal law while I'm running a US Senate campaign, the Secretary of State has a gall to induce Twitter, and this is called cat's paw liability. And I, I had to study law, I exposed it. The judge was quite impressed, four hour hearing. He asked the other attorney, there are three attorneys. He goes, why didn't you simply go on Twitter if you didn't agree with Dr. Shiva? Why did you, in, why did you contact Twitter? So we found out that the Secretary of State contacted NASCD. I was also essentially blacklisted. And for 21 days, Alan, in my very vigorous dynamic Senate campaign, I, I was shackled from using Twitter, my main view of communication. And why? Because I had exposed something that's a set. I was right on the target, man, which is the fact that the secretaries of state delete ballot images. The ballot images are the evidence in the chain of custody of fraud. That's what this is about. And... And, no, and you know, we know it and I have a major lawsuit coming and I'm likely gonna win it. And, but I presented myself pro se and we won. No high powered lawyers. And the point here is that I went through that journey as a candidate in the swamp of Massachusetts, which by the way, is where one of these voting machine companies, you know, had its home for many, many years. And they tested me because what we also found out as we analyzed my own data, my votes were flipped, Alan. About 30% of my votes were given to this other guy. And I have all the data to prove it. And, and then they multiplied his votes by 120%. Mm. That's why he didn't have to campaign. So people need to really understand here, bottoms up movement, working people, thousands came up. True movement. And the GOP establishment 
and the Democrat establishment colluded with the Secretary of State, as I'm sure it'll come out in all of discovery, to make sure a bona fide candidate was suppressed so a loser, a designated loser would face Ed Markey and lose to him. Because they sure enough, if I got on that stage, I would have destroyed Ed Markey. So this is what is going on in the United States. And so when I, so we put out, check this out, Alan, all before all this occurred, we ran a write-in campaign. You can see it right here and people see it right there. Our volunteers distributed 1.5 million of these cards. Okay, stop election mm -hmm. fraud, 1.5 million long before the stuff's occurring with Trump. And that was my journey. So when I saw this occur to Trump, you know, we were ready. That's why I did that analysis where we showed, look, I'm a pattern guy, separate from this there, in some ways messing with the wrong guy because my entire life since 14 years has been doing the science of pattern recognition. It's a field, it's not math. There's a lot of very stupid math people out there. When I started sharing this, they said, oh, she was this, sharing a little slope. Well, let me tell you what pattern analysis is. Pattern analysis is looking at an emergent property of a complex system. A voting system yeah. is a complex system. And what you do is you see patterns of behavior and you try to figure out features, how to detect a signal. No different than when you, when you go to the doctor and he shows your little EKG, right? There's a yeah. certain shape of that waveform which says, hey, Alan is healthy, Shiva's healthy. But if you see a sinusoidal wave, Hey, that's ventricular fibrillation. A doctor after time, it's an art and a science gets good at that. That's the science of pattern recognition. When I was 14 years old, I was analyzing sleep patterns as a full-time research fellow. Then I was, when I was at MIT, we were looking at sending waveforms into aircraft wings and looking at the waveforms that come back to try to predict the, you know, if there was a decay or, def, you know, a defects in an aircraft wing, right? and so on uh, with email, et cetera. Pattern analysis has been my forte in what I do. So when I saw this, we got some very good people at access to data. And what do we find in Michigan? In the three counties, the shape of the curve, if you wanna think about it in a normal case, and I describe this in the videos if people wanna go see this, should be a beautiful sort of arc, parabolic arc, um, where the X axis is the percentage of People, uh, Republicans who vote straight party, and the y-axis is a differential between people who are going to vote individually for Trump minus that difference. It's 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 not a uh, it's basically what a feature. And when you draw it, you get a beautiful little. In in most normal case, when there's no cheating, you get this little beautiful curve, Alan. However, if that curve sort of collapses, as I like to say, you will get a straight line. Okay, which is an indicator to anyone in this field something's up. So we shared you know, in the three counties, some very powerful data showing in Oakland County, in Kent County, in Macomb County, that that entire normal curve just collapses. It's no different than having a normal EKG signal and then you get this sinusoidal wave, which means you have some disease going on, all right? So we put, put that out there and we calculated about 69,000 votes in those three counties were transferred from Biden to Trump. You can calculate it. Mm. And then you had some very, frankly, ignorant math people saying, oh, Dr. Shiva is just saying it's a, a line. And yes, it's a line. No, you don't get it. That line is the abnormal case. And in the second set of videos, we actually get to educate people. And it's up there. Everyone's enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's got a couple of million views where we share with people what is systems, what is a pattern, and what does that normal line look like, and which is the normal case, no fraud, and what does the fraudulent line look like? So well now let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah. The transfer was from Biden to Trump or Trump to Biden? 
Well, look, it's a very interesting story. In a time period in an election, uh, and I'm working with a group in uh, Georgia, what they actually have is they know the end state that they want to get to. At the net, the net will be obviously from uh, Trump to Biden. But during any point in time, you may see large vote transfers going back and forth, Alan. Sometimes we see a very interesting case where large vote transfers were going to a, to a completely third party candidate. Hundreds of thousands of votes electronically going. They're almost using them as a container, you know, until they got their math right. So the point is, why is the weighted race feature, the feature to multiply votes, which is a documented feature in the Debo voting systems that when Bev Harris got the manuals in 2002, she showed. It actually says a weighted race feature, Alan. It's been in there. So the only conclusion I can come to is both parties, the establishment parties, did they not know about this? It is so egregious that we as a citizenry have allowed such a feature to be in our voting systems, number one. Number two, the states are getting away, in my view, with serious, you know, sort of vote murder here by deleting ballot images because they are what's counted. So in my case, we ask for the ballot images. Where are the ballot images? They're boldly saying we delete them. Think about this. The federal sta statute was created so the states would not do this when it came to a federal election. Maybe they're cheating on all the state elections, but when it came to a federal election, they're not, they're supposed to, according to the, the, the wording, it says all records generated in connection with the federal election must be saved. That's the bottom line. That's well, who actually is creating a situation in which this kind of transfer can take place that you were talking about? Well, it's who very, well, it, it's, it's so the, the interesting question is who does this? Who does the transfer? Remember, every yeah, state, that's what I'm asking. Every, every state has a relationship with their vendors. Okay. They sign some professional services licensing agreement. So they have their contractors come in and, and those agreements can vary. When you say who does it, you know, the actual person who physically does it or directed to do it, directed to do well, it. Well, I, I mean, in the first instance, who's the actual, where is the actual transfer being done? Yeah, it's a great question. So remember, it can, from our view, it can be done in many, many points. It can be done at the precinct level, right? So if you have a county with, let's say, 500 precincts, every precinct has one of these machines. There, The technology has a capability to do at the precinct level. It also can be aggregated and down at the tabulator level. Remember, all the votes. But who's, well, I guess it's, but if you were to point to me, is, is this being done? Because it sounds like you'd have to be messing with the um, innards of the system, right? You don't have to. Well, yes and no. So, so, Alan, if you think about it, let's say here is the software, okay? A box over here. You can communicate with these boxes externally, okay? You don't have to be inside the box. Um, in programming language, there's something called application programming interfaces. So if here's the box that's capturing all the votes and managing it, you could have another software program here that you know tunnels into it and communicates into it. And when well, is that soft is that software program something that has to be pre-programmed to make a certain change, or can it be? Uh, um, you know, set in motion from outside of the venue. It can be done anywhere, depending on how the setup is done. Okay. And that's so why- So when they talk about, 
at the press conference that they had today, they were talking about uh, tabulations going on in Frankfurt or in Germany and so forth. Can that be done there? Look, when you have, that's what I'm saying. When, if these machines are accessible on the internet, if they have accessibility, um, you know, some of these machines have near field devices where you can communicate them through Bluetooth and out. There's many ways to communicate with these machines. Here's the real answer to your question. These machines are not transparent. They're owned by private companies. Right. All right. So getting into them, they can say, hey, that's our intellectual property. This is what needs yeah, to but come. If, if that's the case, then somebody would have to pay the company to do their dirty work. Yeah. Or pay it to say, hey, set it up like this. These are the features that we want. Okay. So I'll give you an example. In the simple case of ballot images, the companies actually ship the factory setting is save all images. There's three settings in some of these. Save all images, which is a default setting. Only save and write in images. And the third one is, you know, don't save any images, which means they're created, delete them. So if it's, pro if it's programmed to delete all images, do we take that as prima facie evidence of cheating? Well, it's hiding, it's hiding uh, the chain of custody. What does this the statute say? All records generated in connection with the federal election must be saved for 22 months. Paper comes in, the image is generated, which is what's counted, you throw away the image. Now, why is that important? Because there are features that you can do to that image. You can delete images. You can, because the image in the modern day is the ballot. It's not the paper anymore because they put the paper over here and they count it over here, right? They, what are they counting? The images. Well, so one, you, one last question, because I was told you only had 30 I did, I did. I have to get on another call and, and right. uh, it's uh, 4.31. One last question. Yeah. How do you see this applying to the crisis that's now taking place at the presidential level? It's very simple. What I've advised a number of people have contacted me, including people, um, you know, some of the people you, um, you've, you've, you've seen on TV, is that what needs to happen is that something very, very simple. First of all, if they do not have the ballot images, right? If the ballot images do not exist, then they must demand a hand recount, period. Because if they don't have, the, if they should be able to produce a ballot images like that, They'd probably stick on a small floppy, you know, a small USB stick or a small hard drive. Because the ballot images are the actual images; they're the ballots. And and there right. is there is a move among certain election integrity people saying when those ballot images are scanned, they should go up on the cloud. All of us should be able to count it. It should be crowdsourced. Why are we? Why is there so much opacity to this? And that's a fundamental issue. The entire process, well, getting back to it an- It sounds to me, and, and this is intriguing to me because, you know, I, I tell people, right now we're in a crisis because it looks like there was wholesale cheating by Democrats. Uh, if people think that cheating only goes on on the Democrat side, I would beg to differ with them from my own experience. But what you're suggesting is we really need to think through, not just what we say in the laws, but how we absolutely establish that those laws will be observed because it looks like at some level you know it's famous to say that we have a government of laws but not of men right now we seem to have no government no, no government of laws but of crooks well the, the, um, and the, the, so we've and, gone and, from just human beings doing it to human beings who have a nefarious purpose that is injurious to the body politic and well this is a I deal think that means that this is the deal, Alan. I think what's happened is there is both establishment members of all these parties, I, I believe, know about this. 
and they have so much filth on their hands that they do not have the integrity to truly take on election integrity. That's what the fundamental issue is. Well, isn't that why, though? Could that be why they considered Donald Trump so dangerous? Because at the end of the day, though, he wears a Republican label. It's been quite obvious uh, that he is not part of that Republican mentality that has is at the leadership level. Definitely. Uh, I, mean, I think if you if you look right to making sure their will prevails regardless of the electorate's desires. I mean, if you look right here, Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, said he was not going to vote for uh, President Trump in 2016, said he did not vote for him 2020 and is the person who's like this with the Democrats and the rhino Democrats who found a designated loser to run against me. And right now, I in my in my view, the lawsuit that we have in the federal courts in Massachusetts is really the tip of the spear because it brings together three very important issues. The violation of federal law in elections, the fact that state action can take place. The state is organized with nonprofits. By the way, the NASED, National Association State Election Director, it's a nonprofit funded by the Rockefeller brothers and funded by two of the Murdochs, one of them being Carol Murdoch, who's a never Trumper. And this is a mm. fundamental issue. The entire electioneering certification, the machines, the infrastructure is owned by state election directors. Well, who do they report up through? Who are the, who's their ecosystem? A nonprofit, which is owned by people who are, have, were never elected by you or I. And when I tweeted up, so, so the three issues in our lawsuit are one, state action was involved. Number two, we brought up very clearly the issue of ballot images. And number three, you have the fact that the collusion between a social media company, Twitter, and a and the state election directors to throw off and suppress the speech of a US Senate political candidate. The first amendment was created, number one, to protect free speech. Government speech yeah. cannot trump free speech, uh, cannot trump political speech. Anyway, well, on that, Alan. On that note, we need to wrap it up. But thank thank you. you, because I think this gives us a lot of food for thought as we're looking at what is going to be coming at us uh, in the coming days uh, as we get more and more into the details of how the Trump team is making its case. Uh, ponder that. We'll be right back. After yep. These words. Thank you very much. Be well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. All right, guys, that was just a interview I did with Alan Keyes. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But the main takeaway, I got to hop on this other call, is this. Massachusetts is the center of the swamp. The lawsuit that I have now, which started back in September before all this, the presidential crisis took place, you know, it was really about our campaign, the amazing volunteers. We expose election fraud right here in the center of the swamp. Massachusetts is a sewer that feeds the swamp. So I can't overemphasize to everyone, the real issue is, the the ballot images, the fact that weighted races exist, the fact that the secretary of states all work together. They're the ones who own these voting machinery in terms of uh, certifying them. And who controls them is a nonprofit run by political organizations, which you and I or political forces, which you and I did not elect. Anyway, thank you very much. Be the light.